Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Nick Appleyard, CEO of TriStar Gold, the TSXV-listed company with gold exploration play in Para State, Brazil. We spoke to them a couple of months ago. Um, the PA numbers were quite impressive, about 687 per ounce. CapEx under 200 million at around 180 and targeting about 130 ounces a year. Um, IRRs around, well, plus 40%, as, as if I remember correctly. Uh, the big l- problem for them was the short life of mine at around eight years. So they're planning a big exploration play between, uh, well, for the next 18 months. Um, they're also going to deliver a PFS by the end of Q1 next year, 2021. And we talked to Nick about how he's going to do that using AI technology. Pretty interesting chat. Enjoy the podcast. Nick, how are you doing, sir? Very good, thanks. Nice to be here again. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to nice to catch up with you. You spoke to us a couple of months ago. Um, a lot of big plans. We went through your business plan, strategy, and uh, some of the targets for this year. Uh, we thought we'd get in contact again because you have raised a little bit of money, and uh, we're sort of intrigued as to what the plans are. So, if I may, just pick up from where we left off last time. So. When we spoke last time, we were talking about um, you delivering a pre-feasibility study by the end of this year, possibly Q1 of next year. So how are plans on that front? Thanks. Yeah, no, so the plans are still still the same. We're still going to be delivering the pre-feasibility study. Uh, global events have definitely pushed that into early 2021 now, um, but that's still, still on target, still moving ahead nicely. Um, but as you suggested, we've raised uh, we've just raised nine million dollars Canadian and had about a million dollars in warrant exercise. So the you know the treasury is quite healthy right now, and um, we're going to be using that money to to make sure we can complete the pre-feasibility study in a, in a healthy situation. And importantly, we can work on the expiration upside beyond the eight-year life in the PFS itself. So that's really where we're at. We're fully funded to do that work. With. So why raise the money? I mean, was that essential to get? The pre-feasibility over the line you know fully funded for that plus additional work i mean why why that amount because you had a bit of cash in the bank before we had enough money to complete the pre-feasibility study that was raised from the royal gold investment last August when they paid eight million us for a 1.5 royalty but that money from them was allocated to the pre-feasibility and it would have been enough to complete that um what we didn't have was the money to do the additional exploration to, to explore for life beyond the eight years of, of the project, of the PFS. So this money is sort of been allocated to that exploration. So why, I mean, okay, that's interesting to me, because I mean, we did talk about this short uh, life of mine, eight, eight years, I think, anything less than two digits, people, you know, put a little red flag beside. So you, you clearly acknowledge that. So what do you think you're going to be able to do in terms of the exploration plan? In fact, why don't you just take us through what you're going to do? Okay, well, I want to step back. I mean, our original concept with, with, with myself and my team coming into TriStar was a, a project that can hit 200,000 ounces a year for 10 years. That was our hurdle rate to, to, for us to come in. And, and that's still sort of what we're chasing here and what we believe we have at Castella. So the plan now is to, is, is to drill out or identify additional resources that are, that are we believe are quite easy to do because there's conglomerates sitting on the surface. Um, to, to add to that mine life we've got, and also see if there are additional 
all bodies there of additional styles that yeah can be completely complementary to what we've already known about. But when you, you say it, it's quite easy because they're sitting at the surface, I mean, what, what do you know? Because exp- mining's tough, exploration is, you know, risky. So, you know, how, how are you mitigating that? What, what information have you got? You talked about AI last time we were, we were talking. So, so give, give me some detailed breakdown of what you're going to do. Because I think if, if you can solve the life of mine issue, you take away a big barrier for investors investing in this company. So how are you going to solve that problem? Okay, so when I when I say it's easy, we've got you might sort of say two or three different sort of target styles. The, the, what I consider the easy one is more shallow conglomerates, and what we've got already is we've got soil geochemistry um, in the middle of soil geochemistry. We can map where the conglomerates come to surface, and we can then see this um, historical Gadinfo workings in those conglomerates. So you sort of know you've got the right lithology. You know it's got gold in it. It's really a matter of drilling it out. For the grade profile and that's what we've done in the about five to six kilometers of experience south but we've got 19 kilometers of these conglomerates outcropping so we're really mapping and identifying where the dip is most favorable to open pit mining that's the bit i consider the sort of the low risk it's sort of mechanical exploration it's just drilling and stepping out um, beyond that then we're looking for new conglomerate horizons which is you know uh, like an additional risk because you don't know that they're there, you find them, it's a, you know, a duplication. And then we're looking for remobilized gold deposits, which happen these things and might be deeper and there's a completely new target. And again, that's a higher return if we hit it, but it is higher in the exploration risk profile. So we've sort of got the, the three stages of what we're looking at. I mean, the one which is almost boring when you know, we just think it's step out drilling to one that could be super exciting if we hit, but it's higher risk. Okay, but you've got, you know, you, again, the PEA showed like 1.1 million ounce resource. Um, is the PFS going to just replicate that firm up on, on those numbers? Are you looking to be able to put out a second resource number with a bit more scale to it? I mean, to, I, want, I want to truly understand the the. I get what you're going, the sequence of what you're going to do, but what I don't understand is what is the outcome that you're hoping for with this exploration process you're going to go through? The exploration that we're doing now, I, there may be some incremental resources, um, but by the time we, we publish the PFS, I doubt they will be at the category required to be into the, in the PFS because they have to be indicated or mentioned to be used in the PFS. So the PFS will be a straight update of the DEA that we announced in that one, one million ounce range. What we hope to achieve is be able to show with a much higher degree of certainty that there are a, a lot of additional ounces out there. Obviously, if we find some, one of the, something in the more, one of the more exciting categories, yeah, we'll stop and have a rethink and go, okay, well, it doesn't make sense to do a PFS with a plant there. If we think we found something big five kilometers to the north, it would move the center of gravity of the project and that could make a change, which would be a positive decision to have to make. Um, but at this stage, we want to advance it, really driven by our, our agreements with Royal Gold that that's the risk of the project move it forward to production and, and the exploration can then happen as that's moving forward. And we, we know we've got a 12 to 18 months permanent period from when the PFS starts and there's a lot of work you can do during that phase and you know increase that mine life you know you can, you can upside the plant if you wanted to so okay look in this current gold market 
Lots of companies are raising money. The companies I didn't think could raise money are raising money in this environment. It's, it's very mm-hmm. exciting if you're running a gold business um, and you've raised a you've raised a you know decent stack of cash actually. Um, does that affect your decision making? Do you think you have to do things the same way? Because some people drill because geologically the, the technical team say this is the right way to do it to get the information in the in an appropriate manner and then some people think perhaps in a slightly less bullish gold environment are drilling just for the market they're just drilling to get share price up how are you approaching it how, how methodical are you being or are you being more promotional with the way you go about this how would you describe that yeah i i feel now that we've got roughly 15 million canadian in the bank that we can be as scientific and methodical as we want to be right now. Over the since I've been running Trisart for the last five years, five and a half years, it has been raise some money in a difficult market, do some work, and you've always got to you want to be doing the best work you can, but you've always got to have one eye thinking, okay, but I've got to do work that gets me to the point where I can raise some money. And so those two thoughts are always going in parallel and you can't just do the right work that you want to do. For the first time now, I feel we can. Right. Okay. Which is which is great. You know, as an investor, you kind of hope that most companies would do that at all times. But I don't understand the the trade off. It's it's difficult. Who would be a CEO miner? Um, can we come back to the AI component? I, I referenced it earlier. You told me a little yeah. bit about it last time. You've got to. I mean, have you done that analysis yet? First of all. Yes, we've done a lot. A lot of the work. I'm doing the sort of the slowdown with the pandemic. We've been doing a lot of. A lot of work with the AI team, and they generated new two, new two and three D maps for us. Um, some t- a lot of target generation is coming out. The point we're at now is ground truthing it. So you know we're meeting to get our geologists on the ground because the computers. Oh yeah, you know, I must admit, I, a lot of it goes over my head. It is fascinating stuff to see and it's really interesting to be involved with, but I don't understand some of that. It's very complicated. Um, but I think in general, they're going to come up with targets and some of them we're just going to look at and go, that's a house or that's a power line, you know, that's ridiculous. And some of them we're going to come up and go, well, we knew it that already. And then there's going to be a couple we go, hey, we didn't see that, you know, and that's the bit we're really chasing um, from them. But the next stage now is for us to get in, into, the, into the field and that's exactly where we're at. We're having meetings, you know, on a weekly basis now where we're outlining areas in the field where the jumpers can go. Even if it's just to look at walk on the ground and see, okay, yep, we can put a drawer here, or yes, this is what the computer is telling us it is. And then, you know, and we're at mobilizing two drawers to the site to follow up on that ground truthing. Okay. Now, I'd, I'd, I'd be really intrigued for you to come back and tell us what you're learning. Because ground truthing to me is you're basically validating what a it's quite a nascent industry, AI in mining, and saying, well, can I confirm that is true? And if it is, I'll have a little bit more faith as we go through this program. And there's not too many people using the AI component yet. And so I know you said it's over your head, but are you enjoying it? I, I, absolutely. I, I love it. I mean, there seems to be two sides to what they're doing. Part of it is maybe the more machine learning where we give them all of our information and say, okay, well, Here's Esperanza Southwell, we found good gold. And they'll look at the geophysics of geochem in, in layers, effectively. And people sort of learn from that and then looks at all the data we've got across the rest of the property and says, hey, you've got the same thing here and here. Did you realize that? 
And it has, been, it has come out amazing how often the alkaline over here is the same stuff. And we're looking at soil lines stop 400 meters short of that area. We go, well, why? Go, well, we did things in the over there, but without um, any reason. I mean, you, you do become sometimes blind when you work on a project really closely to, 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 to obvious things. So, so there's that component where the machine just learns from what we've seen and looks for more of the same. But then some of the more, maybe the AI side is when they look through like multi-element geochemistry, you get 43 element suite in our geochemistry. And as a geologist, you look at the individual elements and you couldn't really make anything out of it. The computer comes out, it doesn't know anything, but it says, hey, look, every time you get gold, this what they, you know, cluster seven, maybe a cluster of nine elements, always looks like this, these three high, these three low, and these three right on the average every time you see that. And so all of a sudden it's come up with a cluster. And then what happens and then, you know, in the geochem side is the geochem, oh yeah, well that cluster of elements means that rock was derived from a matrix rock. It's obvious. Well, it's obvious now when you see it, but it wasn't obvious before. So, and that's what I find it exciting is when the computer comes up with something sort of stupidly, but you know, not knowing what it's coming up with and the geos go, well, that makes perfect sense. And you get a really nice story and, and it's something you can then use that isn't going to be relying on logging, which can be very, very for every geologist and um, be geochemistry, and you can just map it as hard data. So you think it should make your job easier at some point once you learn to trust it? If well, if you can trust it. Well, I think things like that. There's there's parts of that, like the geochemistry side, the analysis, right? It, that will become part of our day to day work easily, and, and that will make our life much easier because um, it gives you. It's like almost like an essay. It's like, okay, here is a marker horizon. You can see it every hole. And you know that you can start your mapping from that point up. The bits where you have to learn the trust is machine learning when it says, hey, you know, you had a conglomerate has to go over here, five kilometers over here, you got the same thing going through a hole. As a CEO, I'm going, well, it's going to be quite expensive, you know. Um, and that's where you want to get a deal on the ground first, especially at this stage. We don't, we haven't got a point where we trust it. No, we're going to go map it first and maybe take a couple of samples just to confirm what the computer is telling us. Because you previously were talking to us about RC drilling, use of RC drilling as opposed to diamond. Yeah. Um, does the AI work as well with RC or does it prefer diamond? Pro well, when we use the RC with the optical televiewer, so we get that high, high definition image down the RC hole, which is probably better than any core photo you can get in quality. And the artificial intelligence, yes, can use that. I mean, with us, because it's a conglomerate hosts a gold deposit after all every conglomerate every class can be pulled out automatically by the machine now every fracture every bedding orientation is pulled out by the machine so that allows you to gather a lot of data very quickly and where i'm seeing that's useful that, that i hadn't even thought of and this is what i like when you see things come out the end of is it allows us to scale, look at different scales very quickly as a geologist you might look at one tray of data but it may be that the trend you're trying to see is is like on the order of five or 10 meters and it's very hard to see. Whereas the computer, you just sort of use a scale bar and go, well, let's look for things that change in the centimeter scale or the meter scale or the five meter scale. And these trends and patterns come out that you just couldn't pick as a geologist. And that's where it becomes interesting. And again, you can go back then and look at it as a geologist. Go, right, well, if I stand back and look at you know, 10 meters, I can see that what the computer's telling me, but it's hard to see beforehand. Okay. 
We're absolutely committed and really like the answer. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I mean, I, I, I want to, I want to follow the story just purely for to see if the, the AI component and how that does because we need innovation in mining. We need innovation across the board, across the whole food chain, as it were, not just at the exploration component, all, all the way through. And this is just a very big, important component to, in terms of interpreting masses of data quickly, more intelligently. But, so look, we'll, we'll come back to that when we, when we talk next. Um, but let's get back to basics here, because um, AI hasn't quite changed your life yet. Things like COVID in Brazil, we're seeing the numbers out of there. So how's it affecting you on the ground? I mean, we, we suspended work at the project in late April, you know, because of COVID. Um, yeah, the area we're in, in for our state, have been hit fairly hard. Um, so, you know, we're hoping to get back into work in there in late August, September. There are medical facilities. What we're, what we're tracking internally is we have contact with all the local hospitals in the region. And while they're at high capacity or over capacity, I'm not going to send staff back in there. As soon as they have capacity to, to deal with COVID or, or any issue that might come up, then we'll look at getting our staff back into site. Um, so from a site sense, you know, we're, we're tracking that. Um, you know, currently, it does look like the sort of the wave, as you might put it, has passed through the area and numbers are coming down in the hospitals. So the staff are very keen. We had a staff meeting yesterday by Microsoft Teams. Um, and they're all keen to get back in and they're talking about we will get you know one or two people who can drive to site you know in, in the next few weeks um and the plan then is hopefully if things continue in the trend they're in now we'll be drilling again in september so okay we'll tell you it goes back in that all that equipment's all in brazil the, the the bit that maybe is a little little less known is international travel for the pfs if we need to bring in people for engineering uh, geotechnical work those guys are scheduled with in Chile. Currently, it's a little tricky to do that right now. We'll, we'll be tracking how that works. What's the advice from Paris State? <sighs> Mixed. I mean, they were Paris State. I'm not quite sure what guidance the state is given, but the township um, where we are, Tatuba, was in a very hard lockdown for a while. And they've eased that now and allowing people to go back to work. Um, I don't know if that's based on purely medical or, or economic need as well. So that, so we, you know, we are tracking the, the, the township, the, the state and the federal requirements, but our decisions are really more made on, you know, can things be safe for our staff and, our, you know, and the communities we work in? But right now there is no, I don't believe there's anything legally stopping us working like this. So you've got all this cash. Uh, you've obviously done a lot of desk research. You've done the AI analysis, such a, you know, as a percentage of, you know, optimum capacity. So where are you operating at? What's that as a company right now? Yeah. I mean, I think we've been really busy. Um, we've just sort of hit a hit a hit a point right now where we're screening out to get people on the ground. And um, yeah, we are but I think we're probably a couple of weeks away from that. You know, as I said the geos will get in there, they'll ground through some sites, check the access and the drawings will follow that two weeks later. Um, you know, every all, all we're capacity, we're fully employed, all of our guys are working full time on this, but starting to churn a little bit now as they need to get into get out to site. Okay, okay. Well, look, um, Nick, it sounds sounds like you know what you want to be doing and what you've got to deliver by end of Q1 next year. You've got the cash to do it, which is 
fantastic. I am particularly taken by the AI component of this project. Um, you know, I think it's you know, Sapara is a pretty solid mining state in, in Brazil. You just need to be able to say get the boots back on ground. So as soon as you do, let us know what's going on. Pick up the phone. Uh, we'd be really pleased to talk to you. No, absolutely. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be really exciting to see how it evolves, you know, from their computer models to seeing the targets on the ground and then the results. And we hope we can tell that story nicely. But so far, it's looking pretty exciting. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.